0: grace and mercy for the opportunity that we have to come and to celebrate uh, the baptisms of eight uh, from our church family. And we pray that as we do, that we would give you the honor you deserve. We thank you and we praise you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, before you sit down, maybe if you could scoot to the center of the church, it would be helpful for us to make sure that those who are coming in can find a place to see Well, good morning. My name is Kim. I'm one of the pastors here at Lighthouse. As was mentioned, this morning is special in that we celebrate the baptisms of eight brothers and sisters from our church family. Christian baptism is unique and that it doesn't save us. It doesn't earn us uh, favor with God. And yet it's important and special because of what it symbolizes. right? Romans six: four says, we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. So understand, baptism is a symbol that represents the gospel, the reality that God forgives and saves sinners and gives us new life. And baptism then is this picture that as we go under the water, it's demonstrating that we've died with Christ. And when we surface, it's like we are resurrected with Christ to new life. So for those getting baptized this morning, they are demonstrating God's grace to them and declaring they are followers of Christ and part of this church family. Now, I think one of everyone's favorite parts of a baptism service, aside from the fact that you don't have to hear me preach for 45 minutes, is that, that we get to hear testimonies of people and how they came to faith. And yet, one of the, one of the themes that I noticed, and maybe surprisingly, um, that you'll hear this morning is the theme of suffering. Now, the fact that people suffer isn't surprising. I, uh, we all suffer. I was trying to think of my own sufferings. Do you know what someone said to me recently? They said, uh, if I were preaching, we'd probably have more people in church. So not really kind, right? I mean, that was one of my kids, and they said it right before I preached. Um, So my suffering is sarcastic PKs. But but suffering itself isn't surprising. But I say it's surprising because it wouldn't seem like suffering would would lead someone to faith or, or even grow their faith. Rather, it would seem like it just brings up a lot of difficult questions that should make people question their faith. In the testimonies, you'll hear about bullying, depression, feelings of inadequacies, racism, social anxiety, bad breakups, serious loss, significant health issues, job loss, loved ones getting seriously sick, struggles academically, the loss of a nephew in infancy. And this is hard and again it brings up difficult questions like where is God in all of that? Or how how can God be loving and yet there still be this brokenness all around us? Or maybe simply can we really trust God? Well, brings to mind to me that the story of Jesus called the storm in Mark chapter 4. If you remember, the disciples and Jesus decide to cross the Sea of Galilee in a boat. And, but while out on the water, while Jesus is asleep, they're overcome by a storm. They soon realize that death is upon them. And understand, these are seasoned fishermen. They're not overreacting. If they felt like they were in danger, they were definitely in danger. Verse 37 says, And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, and so that the boat was already filling. Now, I'm guessing none of us have been caught on the Sea of Galilee during a life-threatening storm. But if you really slow down and think about it, it's pretty easy to relate to the situation. Struggles that seem somewhat overwhelming, feeling helpless, fearing for what will happen or not happen, not sure what to do, seeking a solution, hoping for something to make things right. So where does this fear and suffering lead the disciples? They question the goodness of God. Right? Verse 38, but Jesus was in the stern, asleep on the cushion, and they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? So it's interesting, right? They don't actually ask him for help. Instead, they look at their situation and they ask, do you not care? So in their suffering and struggles, what do they question? Not the power of God, but really the love of God. And it's, it's not... It's surprising. It's a relatively common objection to Christianity is, is that how can there be a loving God and there still be evil in the world? And even if you're a believer, I'm guessing most of us have kind of felt this internal dilemma. I mean, it's easy when things are difficult to wonder where God is in it all. Like, why doesn't he just answer prayers or offer some help or, or comfort? But here's something we, we, to consider first. What if suffering isn't actually our biggest problem? I mean back to our story, Jesus does the miraculous, right? With a few words, he calms a storm. And it tells us the disciples were that the disciples there um, and, it, and I'm sorry, it tells us that there's actually a bigger issue than the suffering that the disciples were experiencing. Look at verse thirty-nine. It says, And he awoke and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, be peace be still. And the words and the word and the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? So initially they're filled with fear. Then in verse 41, after Jesus calms the storm and they're perfectly safe, yet what does it say? They're filled with great fear. But why? I mean, the the problem solved, right? They, They went from perfect storm to pleasure cruise. because they realized that who was in the boat was greater and more fearful than what was outside the boat they they were they were fearful because they they understood they were in the presence of god and what does this remind us that that we too are sinners who will stand before a holy god let me explain remember god created everything including us and he made us to live for him in obedience and with joy but sin entered the world and it ruined everything and plunged our world into darkness. But sin isn't just the brokenness around us. More personally, it's the wrong things each of us does. And because God is our creator, sin is always first and foremost against Him. So though we don't often consider ourselves bad people, in reality, we are rebels against our Lord. And this sin ruins the relationship we have with God. The Bible tells us that God is righteous and holy, absolutely perfect, and so we can't just ignore sin. Otherwise, He would be unrighteous and unholy. And so each of us is a sinner facing the just wrath of god hell itself and there's nothing we could do on it on our own to overcome our sin to make things right with god so do you see the dilemma where where suffering is bad and it's hard the greatest problem humanity faces is that we are sinners who will stand before a holy god one day and this is what the disciples in the boat were experiencing initially understandably they have fear because they don't want to they don't want to drown. But then Jesus shows his power over nature itself, and they realize they're in the presence of God, and it says they're filled with great fear. They ask, Who is this? It's similar to when Jesus performed another miracle on the water in Luke chapter 5. What happened? It says then Simon Peter, when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees and saying, Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. So here's the first thing we must consider when it comes to the sufferings of this world. Suffering isn't actually the greatest problem, sin is Well, what then is our hope? It's what we celebrate this morning in baptisms, the gospel of Jesus. The gospel says that God in love sent Jesus to be our savior by taking the penalty that we deserve upon himself. As 1 Peter 3.18 says, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous that he might bring us to God. In other words, Jesus lived the perfect life we were unable to and then he went to the cross and suffered the wrath of God for every believer for all of time. And so try to wrap your heads around that. I am the sinner, but God treated Jesus like he was so that he could treat me like the son I don't deserve to be. To be a Christian then is to, to repent of our sin, to turn to Jesus in faith. It's the promise of forgiveness and eternal life. Now, obviously, this is good news. Christ is the answer to our greatest problem, which is sin. But it still, still does leave us with the issue of suffering. Right? If God rescues us from sin, then why not rescue us from suffering? I mean, so often we, we talk about the sovereignty of God here at Lighthouse, the idea that God is all-powerful, he's in control of all things. So why does he allow bad things to happen? As you can imagine, it's not an easy answer. We can't solve it in a f- the few minutes we have left. But I do think our text tells us practically what we should do as we try to make sense of it all. In verse 40, Jesus says, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Right? He, he was calling them to faith, but faith in what? Well, where did they lack faith? Verse 38, they asked, do you not care? And then Jesus says, have you still no faith? In other words, they didn't have faith in Christ's love. Meaning that while we won't always understand our suffering and understand God's purpose in it all, which makes sense. How can we really expect to as finite fallen humans to understand an infinite God. But despite what we don't know, we can and must lean into what we do know about God and that's that he loves us. In other words, when faced with suffering, there will be a lot of things we don't understand. So in those moments we cling to what we do understand that God's loving kindness is better than life. Because though God's love seems like a simple, though the love of God seems like a simple truth, As I've often shared, we're waiting in the shallow end of the pool of that doctrine. But the more we understand it, and the more we have faith in it, the greater our peace will be. I mean, think about it. If Christ truly loves us, what do we really have to fear? And this isn't because because Jesus will always calm the storms of life. Rather, it means if there are storms, they always have a loving purpose. So the difficulties of this life are not the absence of God's love, but the revelation of it. Think of our story. Jesus didn't just calm the storm. He brought it in the first place. And yet do you see the grace. The disciples were overcome with worldly fear and through a storm they come to have a fear of the Lord. And so understand the big blessing of this story wasn't survival, but it was surrender. It wasn't a rescue from drowning, but a rescue from their unbelief. It wasn't that they avoided death, but that they grew in faith. So here's the thing, you won't always understand the storms God brings, and they may very well still be painful, but you will rest if you have faith in the love of God. So where does this leave us? If you don't know Christ, we are so thankful that that you're here, but I hope you'll start to consider your world, and maybe in particular your suffering, and ask, will I try to use suffering to dismiss God, or will I let my suffering lead me to God? Because only Christ offers the hope you need for the greatest problem of sin, and only Christ's love offers the hope you need for the pervasive problem of suffering. And if you are a Christian, and especially for those getting baptized today, can I encourage you to look to the love of Christ in your struggles? Because the reality is baptism isn't the start of the Christian life, right? Christ is. But when you start with Christ, then everything changes. In fact, that's one of the, the, the beautiful thing, the truths that you'll hear in the testimonies this morning. Not that God took away every pain, but that God was present and loving through them all. Will you take a moment and pray with me? Telling Father, we thank you for being so kind. We thank you that we get to witness the baptisms this morning, and yet we don't simply celebrate with our brothers and sisters. Ultimately, we, we celebrate you, our great God, the reason that we're here so as we hear the testimonies, as we watch the baptisms in the second service, as we kind of see these visible testimonies of the gospel, may you receive the glory you deserve, and may your gospel continue to take deep root in our hearts. So we praise you, we worship you, we thank you for being so gracious to us. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> so in the second service, we'll get to witness the baptisms, we didn't want to baptize them twice, so... Uh, first service, we'll just get to hear the testimonies, but I'm, I'm sure you'll really be blessed by them. So, for the first set of testimonies, we'll get to hear from Morgan Tan, Darren Chang, Alicia Miller, and Jordan Miller.
1: and this is my testimony. I was born and raised in a Christian household, going to children's ministry at Lighthouse every Sunday. I knew all the right answers and never got into much trouble as a kid. When I was 10, something clicked for me, and I realized that the gospel meant that if I wasn't saved by Jesus, I was destined for hell. So mostly out of a desperate fear of that judgment, I professed faith um, in Christ as my Lord and Savior and prayed for God's grace upon me. However, I think I accepted God without realizing all the implications. I had always prided myself in being a well-behaved child that was nice, smart, and never asked for much from anyone. I didn't really comprehend my personal need for grace from God when I thought I was such a good person. By God's grace, during middle school, I slowly started to see the pervasiveness of my sin. Never before had I considered that, that I was unable to be good enough on my own. The truth was that I had hurt those that God loved, done prideful things knowingly and willingly, and used my life for my own selfish gain, brushing aside the needs of others for my own ambitions. Through this time of tears and uncomfortable reckoning, the Lord gave me a real awe for what he'd done on the cross through Jesus. Finally, I was realizing that as well-behaved as I might believe myself to be, the truth of Romans 3.23 was about me too, quote, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Through the faithful ministry of many, I came to see what the perfect life, death, and resurrection of Christ meant on a personal level. As I entered high school, I found myself bombarded with the heightened temptation to find my identity in academic and extracurricular success, striving for worldly goals absent of Christ. In my sophomore year, my pride was hit badly with persistent feelings of inadequacy. I grappled with not meeting self-imposed standards that I assumed others had for me. I wanted to be completely self-sufficient, please my parents, and never ask for help. I was trapped in a cycle of resolving to work harder and then failing. But the ever-patient God, who I brushed aside in my struggle, showed me where I was putting my identity. He used the counsel of my mother to show me that I would never be self-reliant like I thought I was. As 2 Corinthians 3.5 says, not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God. The Lord brought me out of my misery by turning my face to see his glory after I had spent months blindly chasing my own. While I am far from perfect and still daily feel the temptation to fall into the trap of leaning on myself, I am comforted by the fact that I have a God who is bigger than everything I see in front of me. He alone is my righteousness. All of my talents, accomplishments, and achievements are meant to further his glory and not my own. I am grateful to God for saving me, a foolish sinner, out of my pride and into his family. He is my salvation.
2: Hi, everyone. (laughs) Hi, everyone. (laughs) My name is Darren, and I'm currently a senior in high school. (laughs) I was blessed to be born in a Christian household. I can't remember the specific moment in my life that defined when I became a Christian, but I professed my faith in Christ at a young age. I doubt I knew what being a Christian really meant, though. It was easy to call myself one at that time, because I didn't face any difficulties. I was like the seed Jesus described in Matthew 13, which fell on rocky ground and sprang up immediately since there was no soil. My faith began to develop as I grew up. Beginning in late elementary school, I started to realize how sinful I was. I was ashamed and it scared me deeply to grasp the simple truth that I wasn't perfect. I hated my imperfections and felt trapped believing that I would be stuck like that for the rest of my life. I reached out to God through prayer, asking that he would guide me through the fears that plagued me. I didn't know it then, but God answered my prayers by blessing me with our church's youth group. Youth group helped me grow in my understanding of how the gospel directly applied to my life. It was through understanding my broken nature that I was better able to appreciate the miraculous and perfect love God had in order to sacrifice his own son for a wretched, rebellious sinner like me. My love for God multiplied during this time, and my fears began to abate. However, though I thanked God and praised him for his sacrifice on the cross, my goals in life were still motivated by selfish ambition. I selfishly failed to acknowledge that God's kindness towards me was meant to lead me to repentance in a completely changed life. Second Corinthians 5, 17 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation but I want to continue to pursue the world for my own happiness rather than live for God. Between middle school and high school, I doggedly chased after the world's definition of success. I wanted to be self-sufficient, so I tried to build my own worth up instead of finding my worth as a child of God. Despite this, God relentlessly pursued me and drew me back to him even as I ran the opposite direction. He demonstrated to me that nothing I pursued in this world would ever satisfy. Whether it was popularity, academic success, musical achievement, or something else, nothing I accomplished ever felt truly fulfilling. This was because I was looking for eternal joy in temporary things. While these things are blessings that can point me to Christ, I was looking for satisfaction in the creation rather than the creator. It was only by God's grace that he enabled me to refocus my life on him. I no longer need to get perfect grades in order to have a stable identity. Everything I do is for God's glory, In both my successes and failures, I have the perfect, God-given opportunity to honor Christ through my actions and let my actions be a testimony to God's redemptive grace in my life. Because of the gospel, I now have peace, knowing that I can face the volatility of life with the sovereign care of an unwavering, unchanging God. I still struggle today to center my actions around Christ, but I know that God's love and mercy towards me is far greater than my sin. Lamentations 3.22 says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases, his mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning, great is your faithfulness. God has been good to me in so many ways. There are many things God has done for me I wish I could talk about and share with you, and even more things God has done for me that I won't ever know about. But if I could leave you all with one thing, it's this. We all seek real satisfaction and eternal joy, but you won't find it in anyone else but Jesus Christ. So place your faith in him, Cast your cares on the Lord, and He will sustain you.
3: Um, well, uh, sorry, (laughs) very nervous, that's okay. Um, hi, I'm Alicia Miller, and this is my testimony. Um, I was blessed to be raised in Albuquerque, New Mexico, in a Christian household, attending Christian schools, and surrounded by a family of strong believers. Uh, Christianity was ingrained in every aspect of my life, from church gatherings to family discussions. Being raised in this environment, I was so it was I was so privileged to be exposed to Christ and ideas such as who God, salvation, and who God is, and what salvation was, and why it was so important. As a child, I looked forward to church and hearing the stories. Um, as I grew older, I began seeing the Lord's work and convictions in my own family. Um, My grandma would often tell me stories and answer any questions I had regarding faith in the church. My mom was always there with love, discipline, and direction when life got hard. I didn't have any light bulb moments when I accepted accepted Christ, but I do remember sometimes in elementary school praying the prayer and trying really hard to be the good Christian I would hear about in church. Uh, However, as I grew older, my identity in Christ became overshadowed by the desire to fit in. Being adopted, and I I was visibly different from my family and almost everyone else around me, and that made me a really big target for bullying. I remember the names I was called, the rift between myself and my classmates, and the questions that started to play in my head because I was different. Uh, Throughout middle school and into high school, I continued to deal with bullying, uh, resulting in me wrestling with depression and my place in life and God's plan for me. Why would God save me only to make me suffer through anxious thoughts and depression? I continued to read the word and ask more questions, questioning why there was so much silence and if God even cared for me. My junior year of high school, my aunt and uncle offered to let me move to New Jersey and start school there, knowing I had gone through quite a few battles I was, I was facing. Um, I didn't have any community through church or school at home anymore, so I took up their offer. It was during this time that God showered me with mercy, love, and community. I began experiencing what it meant for God to work through others to show his goodness and grace. The move became a turning point as I experienced God's love and mercy through a supportive community. Rediscovering my faith, I rededicated my life to Christ and began to truly make it my own. My salvation through Christ allowed me the freedom to begin healing through scripture and develop a stronger relationship with the Lord that prepared me for different struggles. I wasn't immediately cured for my struggles or ready to forgive everything that had happened in my past, but the gospel provided me guidance and healing to begin the never-ending process of sanctification and redemption that can only come from God. There were still many moments of difficulty, however, by relying on the Lord, there was and always will be hope and truth to turn towards. Life after Christ has been a journey of growth and praise. College allowed me to remember to cling to the Lord and find my foundation and identity in him. I grew in learning how to depend on God's grace for myself as well as showing it to others, although this is always a work in progress. Um, I used to think reading about the genealogies in the Bible was boring, but even as those passed... Even, those, even through those passages, it showed me that God saves those who are the most unlikely and welcomes them into his family. I enjoy the quote, Happy Little Accident, from Bob Ross, um, personally, because it's adopted. Um, but in the eyes of man, I may have been an accident. However, I know I was not an accident in the eyes of God, and my identity can only be found through my creator. He has continued to allow me to share my stories with others because my story points to his greatness and glory. <laughs>
4: Jordan Miller. Uh, as you might have guessed, I'm Alicia's husband. <laughs> so I grew up in a Christian household and attention, attended Christian private schools from preschool through college. <clears throat> my family was Christian. My friends were all Christian. Just about everyone in my life was Christian. As a child, the Bible and topics of Christianity were taught to me primarily as just facts of the worlds we live in. The resulted in this resulted in me in, dot, in a... dot. <sighs> This resulted in me adopting a faith that didn't really feel like my own early on in life and one that was never truly tested until I left home for college. I had a lot of knowledge and I claimed to be a Christian, but I didn't really understand what it all meant. I only acted like a Christian when it seemed beneficial or fun to do so. As I entered middle school, I developed pretty significant social anxiety and depression. It was in sixth grade that I had to start attending therapy for my depression and other issues. I finally got saved in the summer before my freshman year of high school. I was at my church's high school retreat and I had been paired up with an upperclassman to discuss my spiritual life. It was there that I came to realize the faith that I held was never truly my own and despite saying the right words in church, I had never really fully given myself to God. I came to understand what it meant to be a Christian and to dedicate my life wholly to Christ. It was a couple of days into the retreat that I, for the first time, prayed for salvation, offering up myself without holding anything back. For once in my life, I had understanding and complete confidence in my salvation through Christ. Everything felt great and I felt like my relationship with God was so strong, at least for a few days. As I got home from the retreat and started high school, I fell back into old habits and that feeling of a strong relationship with Christ began to fade. My walk with Christ fell by the wayside, and despite finding great friends for the first time in my life, my depression persisted. As I entered college, my depression only worsened, and my faith was weak. It was during this time that I almost left the church entirely. My relationship with Christ was weakened by years of my own neglect, while the girl I was dating was pulling me further and further from the church and my faith. After a bad breakup, I was absolutely broken. Despite having great Christian friends that would be willing to support me so close by, I hid most of my struggles to avoid being a bother. I even tried to hide my shame and brokenness from God. I had neglected our relationship for so long, I felt like I wasn't worthy to come back to him like this. I continued on this path for a few months until some friends encouraged me to attend church with them. I found that Christ had not just been waiting for me with open arms, but had been relentlessly pursuing me this whole time. It wasn't long after I had started attending church again that I rededicated my life to Christ. Since then, the presence of Christ has infused every facet of my life with profound significance. His active involvement in my life has been unmistakable, guiding me through trials and triumphs alike. Through his grace, I have found a peace that surpasses understanding, anchoring my soul amidst life's storms. While my journey hasn't been marked by instantaneous transformations or the sudden eradication of my struggles, the steady hand of Christ has gradually healed my brokenness and shaped me into a vessel of his love and compassion. Each day unfolds as a testament to his enduring faithfulness, nurturing me with a deeper trust and devotion to his divine plan. Furthermore, I find myself continually transformed in my role as a husband, having a desire to emulate the selfless love of Christ in my marriage and to constantly strive toward becoming more like Christ. Thank you. Praise God for um, these amazing testimonies and just hearing how God works through the ups and downs of all of our lives and just how good He is. And his-
0: Amen. For our next four testimonies, we'll get to hear from Jareth Bustamante, Seth Aravallo, Kelly Ha, and Gloria Liu.
2: <laughs>
5: all right. Oh, all right. Hi, I'm Jareth Bustamante, Um, so I didn't really come from a Christian household. Uh, I knew little to nothing about Jesus and what it meant to be a Christian for much of my life. I just thought uh, that religion was about being good. The tiny bit of exposure of Jesus uh, were from some VHS uh, Christian cartoons and what the general opinion of him was in in entertainment and society in general. I was told to have a meaningful life uh, is to be good and work hard, which is true, but you know, it's not the only thing alone uh, in this life. Uh, church was seen as a chore, and perhaps it was the, for the wrong intentions that my parents had for the two or three years we tried attending when I was uh, um, what elementary or middle school. Uh, it was a, several more years until uh, I was to step into church again. I visited Lighthouse in 2018 after several years of my friend Taffin inviting me to visit his church once in a blue moon over those years. He challenged my worldview when it came to science, so I finally considered checking it out. I tried going a few times, but I still didn't understand and Jesus still felt foreign. Uh, A brush of Christianity happened again uh, after saying goodbye to my father in the hospital in December 2020. Uh, my uncle my uncle <laughs> my uncle reminded uh, him of the gospel uh, and I asked what uh, what happens after death because I was you know curious uh, by why you know why he you know reminded him of all that kind of stuff um, I believe uh, I tried praying that month uh, but didn't seem to help me in my understanding of Christ it wasn't until one night probably sometime in November 2022 that I had stumbled upon a christian book in a Book carousel and a CVS next to its closed pharmacy since it was at night. It was Ray Comfort's "A uh, Hundred Scientific Facts from the Bible." I thought it was absurd, and I could have just ignored it. Though my life had, uh, throughout my life, I had been told that the Bible was nonsense and accepting Christianity was was uh, just purely blind faith. But for some reason. I bought it, and I was surprised uh, when I read it. It challenged a lot of the things I had assumed uh, as absolute, and showed me I had placed my uh, faith in something uh, disingenuous. Looking back at it, it kind of felt like a, uh, I guess, a Matrix moment. You know, red or blue pill. You gotta, got got like, you know, I could continue living this way, or I could see the reality, and that reality was in, uh, in Jesus. <laughs> so let's see here. Um, Ray's Comfort book showed how the Bible had inspired many things when it comes to the math and sciences, and then it would also lead me to discovering how it also inspired things in the arts, literature, and entertainment. His book had wanted me to look more into who Jesus was, and I started with the book of John. It made a lot of sense. It eventually expanded to knowing more, and I realized how the Bible addresses a lot of the realities and issues that I and others face in life. If there is anything to place absolute trust in, then it's the unchanging God of the Bible, because He knows what's best for us. It's crazy to think that uh, when I think back to when I was before, and thanks to God, uh, thanks to God uh, for revealing the truth to me at the age of 32, I feel that I feel like a different person. I have a better understanding of love, selfless, selflessness, and peace from knowing God's love. Uh, when all uh, we have all broken God's laws. We are all sinners and, uh, in need of a savior because we fall short of his glory. You know, we're not perfect. He uh, sent his son Jesus Christ so that we all have the gift of eternal life through his sacrifice, not of our own good deeds so that no one can boast. I pray that others uh, can see the beauty uh, that Jesus has done and uh, done, done, done promised and that they would embrace the gift of eternal life through Jesus. All right, and uh, yeah, amen. All right, guys. <laughs>
6: Good morning. My name is Seth Aravalo. I grew up in a Christian household with loving parents who were strong Christians and raised my brother and me to learn about Christianity. Growing up in the church, I was always surrounded by the word and learned many values and lessons of what it means to be a Christian. But as a child, I never really knew what it truly meant to believe in Jesus Christ. It was not until my mother explained what the gospel meant and the sacrifice that Jesus Christ died on the cross to save us from our sins was where I realized the importance and weight of what God has done for me. At 10 years old, I accepted Jesus Christ into my life and began my life as a believer. Uh, Throughout my walk, I continued to trust in him and lead on God's guidance to live my life according to his will. Even though he had continued to bring goodness into my life, I had always put off being baptized. It was not because i did not understand or question it but rather just me putting it off and telling myself i'll get to it eventually uh, i felt as if i could postpone it and that god would understand that life just happens Uh, yet god still was knocking in my heart every year somewhere telling me that i needed to obey his will Uh, as the years went by graduating from high school and eventually college i was not really growing at all as a christian and was going through the motions of life bearing no fruit going to church I felt as if I was attending just to check off a box for the week when I was not fully obeying what God had intended for me as a believer. Even though this time, I still felt God calling to me to seek after him, and it would come through the trials of life. Uh, In late 2022, I began to have lingering lower back issues and shortness of breath, making it difficult to work at my then job. Through various doctor's appointments, I found that I was near kidney failure. Uh, During that time, I was also unexpectedly laid off from work, putting me in a situation I was unprepared for. I see now that God was using these trials in my life and obstacles to speak to me and find the grace he has given to me. Rather than relying on my strength and pride, God was telling me that I need to fully trust and obey him, no longer putting him aside. In the past year, I began attending the young adult ministry here at Lighthouse, where I felt I had taken the right step in making Christ the utmost importance in my life and taking accountability for who I am as a Christian. Uh, During this season, I learned to be more intent on my time spent in the Word. Uh, I recognized the importance of putting God first and to seek a home church, uh, Lighthouse, where I can walk alongside other believers. For many years, I was not growing in my faith, but now I am finally embracing God's grace in my life with the opportunity to be here at Lighthouse. I now recognize that as believers, we must not ignore God's knocking on our hearts, but to listen and fully embrace His presence in our lives. I decided to be baptized today to proclaim my faith in Jesus Christ and, to go- and the gospel to recommit my life to obeying him. Thank you. Thank you.
7: Good morning my name is Kelly and I'm a senior in college. Growing up at church from preschool to high school my head knowledge of God was extensive but my relationship with him was superficial. I simply accepted teachings without introspection and I lacked a desire for an intimate personal understanding of who God really was. Because of this throughout middle and high school I sought my worth in worldly validation. I was plagued by comparison and feelings of inadequacy as I fixated on the pursuit of academic achievement and social acceptance instead of my identity in Christ. As I struggled to find myself, I was left feeling lost and exhausted. But even amidst my struggles, God continually pursued me with his faithful love. He is good and gracious and he reminded me that the peace he offers is infinitely better than the world's empty promises. I have the privilege of calling my mom my best friend. She is the most selfless, generous, patient, kind, loving person I know, and I thank God every day for not taking her away from me and my family too soon. My mom was diagnosed with stage 3 breast cancer when I was in middle school. I remember feeling so much fear, resentment, and anger toward God during that time for making her suffer. However, by God's grace, after nine months of battling cancer, she finally defeated it. She shares every day that she is able to rejoice in her suffering because God used it to make her stronger and bring her closer to him. Every day she wakes up with joy because there was no doubt in her mind that everything happens according to God's perfect plan and that she could not have gone through that experience without his constant presence. However, even though this truth of God's faithfulness had been so ingrained in me throughout my mom's story, I struggled with doubt and uncertainty when it came to my own life. I feared that I had not encountered God in a personal, profound way like my mom did. I compared myself to these moving, inspirational testimonies of my fellow believers with thoughts of, well, I didn't experience anything like that, and I don't have this fire in my soul for God, so am I even Christian to begin with? For the past couple years, I prayed with my whole heart for God to reveal himself, and God answered these prayers last year. College has been a series of ups and downs, The fall quarter of last year was probably the lowest point of my life. Academically, it was the most rigorous quarter of the nursing program. At the same time, our family is going through the hardest move of our lives. Additionally, my mom had a health scare when a CT came back with suspicious results. Overwhelmed with stress, lack of sleep, and my own doubts, I turned away from God and sought the comfort of doom scrolling, anxiety, and depression. I told people I was fine, but in reality, I was burnt out, scared, and just tired of life. Yet again, God was so good and so gracious in pursuing me. When I neglected my health and did not eat during the week, God blessed me with two loving sisters who cared for me and meal prepped for me every single week and delivered it to my doorstep. When I doubted his presence the most, he sent a random person to come up to me after a Christian concert who just hugged me as if she knew me my whole life and told me that God loved me. When I was spiraling in doubt and cynicism, God pointed me to Lighthouse messages and my community at AACF at UCLA. When I felt the furthest from my family, God reminded me to be patient and provided a living situation that bonded us closer together than ever before. When I hid in my room and cried out to God in desperation, I felt an unexplainable peace from turning to him in prayer and reading his word. In all this, God taught me that hope is not tied to the absence of suffering, but in the one who stands beside us amidst it. This past season has been filled with so much joy and clear evidence of God's faithfulness, unshakable love, and steadfast character. Though I fall, his love is sure. Though I fail time and time again, he never fails. Though I am prone to wander, he secures my heart in his promises. Jesus said in Matthew 1128 30, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you'll find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I have found rest for my soul indeed in a peace that flows from heaven and is rooted in God's promises. Oh, what a joy it is to be fully known and truly loved by an almighty loving God who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask because he is good and gracious and has promised to complete that work in us. My journey is far from over, but I know my God will be by my side every step of the way because he is present, active, and working in love for my good. Thank you.
8: My name is Gloria Lou. I was born and raised in a Christian household in the San Gabriel Valley. Growing up, my mom would take me and my older brother to church every Friday night and Sunday morning. I would always look forward to going for all the fun activities, games, and snacks. I learned many Bible stories and verses about God, but I didn't know him. I just knew about him. In middle school, I continued attending church for the wrong reasons. I became the quiet girl who always played basketball with the boys. Church was my outlet for sports, since I grew up only doing piano and art classes. I enjoyed going on youth retreats, but once the retreat was over, I found myself going back to my usual way of life where opening the Bible and praying only happened at church, not at home. In high school, I began skipping church frequently as I prioritized volleyball and track. I used Saturday track meets and volleyball tournaments as an excuse to sleep in on Sundays. My two close church friends became busier and I would only show up when we mutually agreed to attend together. At the end of my senior year, COVID hit. Church was closed and my friends left for different colleges. That gave me the perfect excuse not to go to church altogether. When I started my first year at UCI, I considered looking for a Christian club, but I was alone in the search and found no compelling reason to attend a church. I fell away from Christianity and idolized an unequally yoked relationship that caused me to sin against my own body. I would claim to be a Christian when others asked me, but I was not living like one. I wanted to be a Christian but wrestled with my sin and lack of faith. But through those times, God was working in subtle ways to draw me back. During my second year of college, my older sister went through a challenging trial that greatly impacted my view of the Christian faith. My first nephew, Nathan, was born prematurely and passed away at just three days old. I could not imagine the pain my sister and her husband were experiencing. But through this, my sister showed me what true faith was. In her suffering, she remained faithful and trusting in God. I was encouraged by her steadfastness and can say with confidence that God is so good. God blessed my sister and her husband with another beautiful baby boy named Nahum, who is now eight months old. As I reflect on my journey, I'm reminded of Romans 8.28, which says that all things work together for good for those who love God. I think of my sister when I read Romans 5.3-4, which says, Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. Through this difficult time in my sister's life, I learned that we may never know the specific reason for our suffering, but we can trust in our sovereign God because he knows what's best for us, just as a loving father who cares for his children. I began spending more time with my sister's family and developed a growing desire to find a church and understand their faith. During my last year of college, I ran into someone at the gym who had played grass volleyball with me during the pandemic. It was Michael Zo, and he mentioned that he was a member at Lighthouse. My older brother Daniel had actually attended Lighthouse before, so I told Mike I'd be interested in checking it out. The first Sunday I came, Mike introduced me to so many people. It was intimidating and I could not remember a single name that day, but the overwhelming support and welcome from the community drew me in. I still remember it was May 4th on Star Wars Day when Mike urged me to check out Praxis for the first time. Despite my hesitation, I went and that night Janet Yeo was the first person to approach me and pull me into her small group. I was showered by her welcoming spirit and cheerful attitude, and I still remember Pastor Allen speaking on the message of contentment. That night, I openly shared with my new small group and felt a strong desire to learn more about God. I have been attending Lighthouse for almost a year now and have gained a community and a spiritual family. Most importantly, I now understand the gospel. It is the good news that our salvation and eternal life in heaven are guaranteed through Jesus. If we believe in the good news that Jesus died for our sins, we are saved. Our salvation is not earned by doing good deeds, but through believing that Jesus took our place and was punished as if he was the guilty one. Before coming to Lighthouse, I was living with a desire to please others, and I idolized our worldly relationship by putting my previous boyfriend where God should have been. I realized this after reading a book my sister gave me. It was Counterfeit Gods by Timothy Keller. A quote that spoke to me was, you may turn out to be a great guy, and maybe even my husband, but you cannot ever be my life. I learned that when you idolize a human being, they will always come short, and at some point they'll fail you because they are not perfect, they are not God. I had put my identity in my educational achievements and in my relationship, thinking that was all I needed, but God found me and I realized my true identity in Christ. God showed me that he was in control of all the blessings and good things that happened in my life. As Christians, we find our true hope not in the things and accomplishments of this world, but in Christ. At Lighthouse, I see people serving and genuinely loving one another by giving their time and intentionally being in each other's lives. First John 419 says, we love because he first loved us. I love this verse because it shows that God is the one who changes our hearts to make us capable of love and we can show our love for God by loving others. I've become more aware of how I treat my family, specifically those who can be harder to love. Remembering God's love helps me love others better. I praise God for my loving mom, my caring sister, my disciple Janet, my boyfriend Vincent, and the Lighthouse community for my spiritual growth. I hope to continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of God and run the race of faith. I acknowledge that God's purpose for my life is what matters, and it is my priority to stay the course and remain faithful to the end. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Praise God. We, we often talk at Lighthouse about the front row seat to grace, and we had that this morning, getting to hear about God's grace and the lives of our brothers and sisters. Will you pray with me? Dearly uh, Father, we thank you for your kindness and just getting to hear our brothers and sisters share not simply about their lives, but your kindness to them. And in one sense, we hate the suffering that so many of them experienced, and yet to know, Lord, that you are so good and you are so kind and you never left them. In it, Lord, but you're with them, you are moving in and through them. Lord, we pray that today would be special for them as they get to uh, celebrate the gospel in their lives and demonstrate their faith. Uh, But ultimately, we pray it would be about your glory. We thank you, Lord. We praise you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.